0: Look down at the the that down
1: Hey, what is happening, everybody? Welcome back. To another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening to the show, thanks for uh, checking it out. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And uh, if you go ahead and hit subscribe on iTunes or whatever device you are listening to the podcast on, then you will know when those uh, when those fresh episodes are available. They will automatically notify you and. And download straight to your app or device and then you don't have to worry about searching it out and wondering when the new episode is available so go ahead and click subscribe also a great way to support the podcast in a free way is to uh, not only hit subscribe but uh, cruise down to the the bottom of the page there on the uh, the Dan Cable presents iTunes page and click write a review and click the five stars give the show five stars and then you say a few nice words and there you are directly uh contributing to the sustainability and and supporting this podcast so if you've been listening for a while and you and you haven't quite pulled the trigger on doing that it would be much appreciated we're really trying to get up to the uh the hundred review marks and there are 84 of them currently so shout out to everybody that that has taken the time to do so once again just super important in helping the podcast raise or rise rather in into the top of those itunes charts and making it more nationally visible and helping more strangers find the podcast and not only does that help the growth of the podcast but it, it also helps the artists that come on the podcast gain even more exposure not not just in their local scene but Hopefully on a on a national scale and, and maybe even a world scale in in some capacity. So, um, yeah, here here's a you know a nice new review that's been added in the last few weeks. Uh, it's just titled "Love It." This one comes from from Rachel eight zero two zero two, and uh, she just said, "Such a fun and interesting listen. I came for the interview with Zach Clark, but then I listened to several more episodes. Love what you're doing, Dan." So shout out to Rachel. Thank you for your kind words. Also, the Zach Clark episode from a few weeks back. I highly re- recommend checking that out. And uh, big ups to Zach. He just released his full-length record last week. And it's such a cool album. So I encourage you to check out that podcast conversation. And then also uh, also check out the new record if, if, uh, if that's something you dig. Big ups to... Uh, Keisha Dower, Kiki and the Dowry, who was on the uh, the podcast last week on on this successful album release and and a, a killer performance over there at Mississippi Studios that she put on. Uh, just a really cool night of music with Maurice and the Stiff Sisters and Ezra Bell. But uh, it was very cool to uh, to see Keisha really bring bring some an energy that i had never seen her bring to the stage there at mississippi studios and it was just a very very cool moment and and uh i was i was proud to witness it and also encourage you to check out last last couple weeks of episodes here you know liz longley on the show uh last week which was was killer that was episode 126 and i enjoyed that chat so much and um yeah just appreciate all of y'all that that keep tuning in and, and listening to this thing it's um it's been cool to see it grow and also just to to try to expand it outside of the portland scene a bit that's what we got going on today we've got we've got subways on the sun eric from subways on the sun jumped on the phone with me and uh subways on the sun are, are an indie rock band, band out of uh Seattle Washington, so I was stoked to uh to jump on the line with eric and and learn a little bit more about subways on the sun and and where this this music comes from and I was geeking out on on their first record and uh, it was fun to to learn about their new record which is called capsize and that's gonna come out on the september twenty first uh, both digitally and and there's also a vinyl so you can you can pre-order the vinyl I'll definitely put all the links to subways on the Sun in the episode notes that so that you can uh, find that easily and we will get into that conversation in in just a moment but uh, just also want to you know let people know that there's a dan cable presents YouTube channel and I just released a bunch of uh, videos from my session with my body, which was episode 104 of the podcast. So there's a few videos up there, a few new ones. Shout out to Mississippi Pizza, who uh, sponsored those video sessions. Uh, One of my favorite places in in Portland to grab a slice. So go get yourself one and and support what they're doing. They always have a bunch of music going on over there at Mississippi Pizza as well. So shouts to them. And uh, how about the Brother Not Brother album release show that just went down the other night at, at Alberta Street Pub with Fox and Bones. Um, that was such a, a killer show and, and very cool to see Brother Not Brother playing as a five-piece band for the first time. It's not it's not something that's going to happen all of the time, but um, maybe for some some special occasions ahead. But yeah, you should be able to find that Brother Not Brother uh, re-release of broken poetry and melatonin now on all of the uh, the digital platforms so all of all of that music is under the same brother not brother catalog you don't have to go searching around for for hammerhead which was their the previous name of that band up until March of this year but just a a killer show and it was it was cool to see them playing some of those older tunes that they don't normally work into the set anymore and and just to see it with a a few other players on stage with them, a couple of my favorite players in the city, Dave Whipple on the keys, Chris Spicer on the drums, and and Sean killing it on the bass. Uh, just just a really really fun night down there at Alberta Street Pub, and I would just encourage folks to to go check out Alberta Street Pub in general. It's a an, another one of the great smaller venues that we have in town, and and always sounds amazing in there. So. Alberta Street Pub, people, get get with it. September 29th, I'm throwing a show at Alberta Street Pub. It's a, a hip-hop show with uh, future guests, past guests also. Matt Randall was on the on the show prior, but we're going to do a, a new episode coming at you very soon. So Matt Randall's on the bill. Young Peralta's on the show. Mal London, who's been on this podcast before, and uh, Max 91, who is going to be on the podcast in in just a couple weeks, is also on this this bill of, of hip hop and R&B, so that's September 29th. If you uh, if you dig hip hop and rap and R&B, please do come join us down there at uh, Alberta Street Pub on September 29th to have uh, have a good night. Uh, other calendar dates that I want to shout out: a couple Seattle dates, including one that involves this guest on on this week's episode. Subways on the Sun are playing their album release show at on September, twi- uh, September 14th. Rather, sorry. I'm just uh, all over the place on these dates. But September 14th is uh, the date they're up in Seattle at the Columbia City Theater. So if you dig what you are here and you are in the Seattle area, I would encourage you to check that out. And then the following night in Seattle, High Pulp. Shout out to High Pulp. They're playing at uh, the Tractor Tavern, I believe. Um, You can find more information um, on the High Pulp Instagram or High Pulp website. But High Pulp is playing with uh, the True Loves, which is another amazing band out of Seattle. So September 14th, Subway's on the Sun. And uh, September 15th, High Pulp, Tractor Tavern. Uh, Get with that, Seattle people, you know show some love for all those folks as both of those shows are going to be most excellent but uh I think that's it I think that's all the the jibber jabbering I have for you at the top of this episode once again I just want to say thank you for all the supporters out there all the people listening to the show on the regular it is uh it is quite cool to see this thing continue to grow and I'm I'm stoked to share this conversation with eric from subways on the sun with you and um don't forget to leave your itunes reviews super important don't forget to subscribe on on the youtube check out dot presents.com that's the central location for uh, everything going on in the in the dcp world and also instagram is uh, probably the best place to follow i am not really fucking with the facebook these days every once in a while i'll sign in on my computer but i'm I've kind of removed it from uh from the app on the phone for the most part, which is has been a pretty good thing I think overall. Uh it's it's saving me some time of going through a bunch of shit that I don't really care about. Um Facebook is definitely like a still a solid way I feel like to invite people out to things, especially shows, so it's kind of a necessity in that in that sense but i feel like where instagram is definitely where it's at or at least where it's at for me and i've definitely been trying to get more active on the twitter so that's at dan cable and at dan cable presents on instagram so follow me there and um i hope i hope y'all are having uh a solid week another one in the books we got episode 127 coming at you we are uh we're going to kick this episode off with a, uh, a song off the first Subways on the Sun record, which is called The Honeymoon Stagecoach, and you can find this on all the streaming platforms as well. And uh, I believe there's a vinyl re-release for this as well. And um, so we're going to kick it off with a, a song called Sincerely I'm Alright off that Honeymoon Stagecoach album. And then uh, we'll get into this phone conversation with Eric and, and learn about, little bit about subways on the sun as well as their their new record capsize which we feature a couple songs off of throughout the episode so that's the jam that's the jelly jam that's the damn deal and uh i am stoked to bring another episode of the podcast to your to your ears so you ready to get into it are you ready to do it are you ready to do episode 127, with Subways on the Sun, this is Sincerely I'm All Right. Let's get into it.
0: A million mirrors stretched all in a line And it's a miracle that I'm doing fine You never took much of my time And it's my fault A hundred reasons you should get up and go A sudden luxury, the cards that you hold You never took much of my time
1: There. Eric, how's it going, man? Good, how are you? Uh not bad, not bad. Thanks for uh taking the time and, and jumping on the line here with me.
2: Yeah, thank you too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Stoked to uh talk to you about this this new Subways on the Sun record, which is called Capsize and dropping on uh September 21st Mm-hmm. Right on, man. Um well, I definitely want to geek out on the record a little bit with you, but uh I thought it would be cool to maybe go back a little bit and uh, just kind of get some some band history and maybe figure out uh you know just some of your your musical background to provide a little foundation for the for the conversation. Yeah, sure. sound good. Yeah, man. Um, when did uh how did Subways on the Sun get together?
2: Yeah, so the the name's kinda of been around for a while, probably like eight or nine years and it was originally just gonna be kind of a side project that I was gonna work on and um just got together with Lars, who's one of the other guys in the band, to work on some demos, didn't really know where it was gonna go and then uh just kinda got excited about what we were doing and then decided to form a band out of it. So yeah, but that, that was it's been a little while now since we officially started the thing, but in a lot of ways it feels like we're kind of a new band at the same time.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, did you catch the uh, the music bug at a pretty early age?
2: Yeah, um, I always grew up, you know, playing instruments, played piano from a really young age and and sung and stuff like that. Um, did the trumpet thing in, you know, elementary and middle school and then, you know, really started to take it seriously kind of toward the tail end of high school. Decided that it was fun to write songs and picked up the
1: guitar yeah when you uh, when you did pick up the guitar, were you pretty into writing songs of your own rather than learning covers and, and other people's tunes?
2: yeah, that's definitely what it was for me. I, I think I started playing guitar so I could have something to write songs on that wasn't as big as piano. Um, kind of hard to lug a piano around, so guitar just you know made sense and definitely was more interested in writing my own stuff and. Kind of, or even really being that great of a guitar player. My my goal was never to become, you know, some awesome shredder guitar player.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was. It was more always about the song. Yeah, exactly. Right on. Were you Were you uh, doing that in high school then, playing playing in bands and sharing your music then?
2: Yeah, that's when it started. Um, kind of the last couple of years of high school.
1: Right on. Were you uh, Were you pretty comfortable? sharing what you had written early on
2: that's a good question um I, I knew that i wanted people to hear it uh but i would kind of keep it to my like well, sort of kept it to, my, to myself for you know the first little bit um you know maybe the first year of writing songs i'd record stuff on tape and like show my mom and my sister that kind of thing um and then yeah then it was just like let's let's get in the band with people and see what kind of sounds we can make and then at that point you know if you're going to be in a band, you can't just do it in secret. So we started playing shows, you know, in the bands I was in then. So, um, yeah, whether it was good or not, who knows, but it was, but it was definitely something I wanted to do. You know, have people hear what we were working on or what I was
0: working on.
1: Yeah. When you were, uh, when you were writing those, those early jams, who were, uh, who were the bands that that were, uh, buzzing in your head and, and kind of having the heavy influence on, on what you were writing?
2: Yeah, then it was um, a lot of stuff like Catherine Wheel, early Radiohead, um, Sunny Day Real Estate, you know, bands that I had absolutely no ability to sound like or <laughs> really emulate at the time, but that's the stuff that I was, you know, getting excited about listening to, you know, Nirvana, kind of the, the early mid-90s, um, you know, rock and indie stuff that was coming out.
1: Yeah, I know the band is is based out of Seattle now is that where you grew up as well and kind of had your early music experiences?
2: Yeah, I've been here my whole life.
1: Okay. So, so was it uh was that pretty unreal to kind of have all of that happening around you with the the Nirvana explosion of grunge and and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and all all those bands around you?
2: It, it was awesome. Yeah, and and for me that kind of started when I was like in junior high early high school and it was just the perfect time because you know you're getting into music and sort of figuring out yourself in a lot of ways when you're a young teenager that kind of thing and uh that music coming out was you know everyone was just freaking out over (laughs) over the stuff that was coming out and then of course you you know being from seattle um you get really excited about stuff coming out of your own hometown as well but i was definitely obsessed with uh pretty heavily obsessed with pearl jam for for a few years there then and um yeah uh it it was it was a it was a great time still and it doesn't seem like it was that long ago at this point either so that that music still resonates with me now
1: yeah very cool man yeah i would just think it would be so cool to kind of have that going on in in your in your city and and that explosion taking place i guess uh do you feel like that that kind of made it more real for you that that people were doing this and
2: yeah, definitely did it. And I think, um, it gave people a reason to want to play music, you know? Um, I, I think for, and I can speak for myself, definitely having, having that stuff happening and that kind of music coming out around here definitely made it feel, feel more tangible that, you know, I, I could do it. Um, and didn't even really, wasn't even really thinking about what that would look like, but, um, you know, a lot of people heard that stuff and then immediately started playing guitar, started playing in bands, um, you know, it was a very a very real kind of a, the domino got tipped over with, with that old movement. So it was it was awesome.
1: Right on. And when you were playing those early shows, was there still that kind of buzz going on around the city and kids kids showing up to, to shows to see music?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Um yeah, early nineties or sorry, late nineties, early two thousands when I was, you know, really starting to play a lot. Um yeah, I was going to tons of shows People were coming to shows. Uh, it just—it was very vibrant. I and that wasn't just specific to Seattle. I think that was happening all over the place. It's just—it was what you did. You know, on the weekend or whenever you could, whenever you could go, you would go to a show or hopefully be playing one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And when you were uh, when you kind of first got those those early groups of musicians together to to jam out, were you primarily working on songs that you had written?
2: Yeah, um, definitely. A- and I was pretty bad about collaborating when I was, you know, a lot younger doing music. I didn't really get. I, I got being in a band, but I didn't totally get like having everybody put their input in. So, you know, I, w- I wouldn't say that I was a jerk about it, but uh, you know, looking back, it would have been a lot more fun probably to have it be more collaborative. But yeah, I would kind of write songs and then try to, I guess people what to what to do or what i thought should happen and then we would, we would do that but um, i think the best moments always came when it wasn't that dictated and everyone was you know putting in their own their own two cents and putting their stamp on stuff which is definitely where i'm at now you know musically is, is letting everybody have their say because <laughs> it's way more fun that way
1: yeah and it, and it might not even necessarily that you were being a jerk but you probably already knew what you wanted those songs to, to sound like. You could probably already hear what they needed to sound like in your head.
2: Yeah, there's definitely something to that. Um, and there's a pretty good chance that that stage they all sounded terrible, but at least you kind of had an idea in your mind where it was potentially going.
1: So how long um, after the band had formed, the the Subways on the Sun, after after that formed, how long after that did you... Uh, guys go in to make the the honeymoon stagecoach record uh
2: it was a few years so it took us a little while to um kind of figure out what the band was going to look like um uh our drummer at the time uh he's not a drummer now but the the, uh, guy who played on honeymoon stagecoach he was actually um and, and I did a couple tours of Iraq, and so we had talked about him playing drums in our band, and he was in the army at the time. And so we were just kind of waiting for him to come back um, to really start the band, start playing. So it was awesome when he came back because we could just get in the practice space and um, and write those songs, uh, which that record is very much, you know, four of us in the room in a practice space, figuring out how the songs were going to sound like as a unit. So, um, but yeah, it took a, it took a few years from. Kind of coming up with the name of the band and uh, deciding even what the songs are going to sound like. Because some of the earlier demos, they're they're fine, but they don't sound it. You know, they weren't ones we wanted to keep, so we had to just keep at it until we felt like we had something that made sense and fit together.
1: Yeah, and did the and did the the members of the group at that time all kind of have some common bands that were uh, that you guys were all pretty into that that you were uh, trying to. I don't want to say emulate, but you know, inspirations kind of spilling into your music. Was there, was there that? Yeah, going
2: definitely. On? I, I think so. Um, I think for us, and it probably goes for, for a lot of other people that play too, is just, it's not so much that you're, like you said, you're not necessarily trying to emulate, but you can at least have a conversation that makes sense with each other. You know, if, if uh, someone's into reggae, someone's into metal, someone's into hip hop and someone's into indie rock, you might come up with something cool, but it might be a little bit harder to have those conversations while you're writing. Um, so even though we all listen to a lot of different stuff, I think, you know, a lot of our focus centers on, you know, just indie rock stuff, print pop stuff that we, you know, listen to when we are in, in high school and college and stuff. And so, um, you know, Catherine Wheel, Built to Spill, Pixies, Posies, you know, those are bands that definitely have entered the conversation at times of at least, you know, when when we're writing songs, when we're in the studio, um, we can we can talk about and you know kind of make sense out of things that way.
1: Yeah, I definitely get the uh, the built to spill vibes. Uh, definitely come to mind when I've been listening to to that record and and the newer one, Capsize. Oh, cool. I've had, I've had yeah, they
2: were they were a band that I saw just tons of times when I was in high school and college, and it's been a, a long time since I've seen them live. But I think that they definitely made an impression. So.
1: Well, I will tell you that uh Built to Spill is still crushing it live. I saw them play uh twice a couple of weekends ago at the uh Picathon Music Festival. And uh I actually got to to interview Built to Spill and and hang out with them for a bit and that was that was such an honor cuz they are such legends of of the indie rock scene and I feel like yeah. They, they have <laughs> they've made such like Doug's guitar playing and his songwriting have made such a huge imprint um on so many bands
2: yeah yeah i don't think they get it they get a lot of credit with certain circles but i feel like they just don't get nearly enough credit with you know whatever that expanded circle should be but yeah our bass player saw him a couple weeks uh, a couple weeks ago too they played a free show in seattle and he said they you know sounded as awesome as ever too so I got
1: to get on that. Yeah. It's rad. They're, they're playing just as a three piece. So there's, there's definitely a rawness to it. And, yeah. uh, there's, there's definitely something very like punk rock about what's happening with them as a three piece. Well, that's
2: cool. Yeah. I would like to
1: see that actually. Um, how did you guys end up getting, uh, the intention of Spartan records, which who put out the, the first record and is also putting out capsize. Yeah. Um,
2: So we've known John Frazier, who runs the label. We've known him for a long time. Um, Nick, our bass player, and I were in a a previous band um, together called Fair. And uh, John worked at at the label that 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 band was on. And so we've just kept in touch over the years. And, uh, yeah, uh, he was interested in putting our stuff out. And we were really excited about working with him. Um, It's nice to be able to do stuff with, uh, I mean, whether it's playing in bands, whether it's label, it's just nice to do stuff with people that you really trust and are good friends with and so you yeah, know it definitely made a lot of sense for us and was, was definitely a no-brainer to go with Spartan.
1: Yeah absolutely I think it's always more fun when you get to be around people that you dig and that you actually like working with and um, I know John John was pretty involved in uh, drive through records yeah which I'm a big fan of a couple, couple bands that I really dig came out of out of that that label as well as uh tooth and nail records mm-hmm. which is rad and and they're definitely putting out some some cool stuff as of now aside from from just the uh, the subways on the sun stuff so i would encourage people to you know check out that spartan records website and see see what other releases are going on there uh, yeah
2: there's some really good stuff
1: yeah, and definitely uh, lots, of, lots of cool jams on that, that first record, man. As soon as I put it on, I was, I was very into the band, like right away. Just all the, the fat guitars and uh, songs like Paid and, and Ho- uh, Helpless Anymore. Those are a couple of my favorite jams on that first record. Oh, thanks. And uh, I kicked the show off. With uh, "Sincerely," I'm all right, which is another one of my favorite jams from that record.
2: Awesome! Yeah, uh, it's funny. I think uh, I think that one and, and "Helpless" are, are probably a couple of my favorites on there too. So, yeah, I appreciate that a lot.
1: Right on! Uh, it's it's been what five years or so since that that first record dropped.
2: Yes yeah.
1: Um, do you think having that amount of time in between the records um, made this, this new album better or made the, the process of making it any better or easier?
2: Nothing was easier, I'll tell you that much. Uh, there def- and there wasn't supposed to be five years in between records. So um, I, I mean, I couldn't be happier with what we've come up with for this one. And uh, But it was a completely different experience. I, you know, before when I was talking about... the honeyman stage coach that was very much a band playing in a room writing the songs and and then going into the studio and and we kind of had had stuff mapped out because we already knew the songs um well after that we we are we parted ways with our drummer and so we just didn't we didn't have a drummer for a while and so um we also uh, the three remaining folks in the band we all had started having kids or had more kids as well so life's just it kind of sped up and slowed down at the same time. Um, so, you know, one of us would have a baby and we'd be writing songs. And they'd kind of have to do that, <laughs> you know, do kind of take a break for three, four, five months. And then, uh, and we'd kind of come back and work on some stuff again. And then another guy would have a, a baby. <laughs> um, so, so, so like really that I honestly having kids um, put a lot of space between record one and two, but you're also, you know, really stoked that you've got kids coming too. So it's not, a, not a bad thing at all. Um, but uh, that, yeah, that caused a lot of time to pass. And then just not knowing, was going to be playing drums and trying to figure that out just all of a sudden time gets away from you and, and years go by so um we just decided what we were going to do instead of trying to figure out you know who was going to be in the band we were just going to write the songs anyway and then kind of figure it out when we were really ready to record them so that's what we did we actually had a friend of ours um in new york uh, record the drums remotely so that was our first experience with that too you know sending somebody files and having them record The parts without us even there and then kind of figuring it out after the fact how we're going to arrange everything
1: yeah i would also imagine that amount of time you know allows for uh some different things to to inspire you along the way of of making the record as well which is kind of cool
2: yeah 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 whether it was themes or different sounds or just stuff we wanted to try we definitely didn't feel any pressure to get anything done fast and so um yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. It it ended
1: up being a good thing. Yeah, and I also I also think it's it's cool that even though there was that big of a gap that there was the desire to want to put music out and it's obviously important to whomever is involved with the band at this point that 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 music got released.
2: Yeah, that that's definitely one thing that I've learned. About myself over the years and the other guys would say the same thing is that we just can't seem to stop wanting to put stuff out and write music. I mean, even if it never came out, we'd still be writing stuff. Um, once you get the bug or once you feel like it's a part of who you are, it's really hard to want to move away from it. So I've definitely thought about it at times, but, um, always I'm the most happy when doing something around music.
1: Yeah. Do you, do you think that that's just because of the like how strong the outlet is, and how important that that release is to to have that in your life,
2: yeah there's nothing there's nothing like it that I've found um you know really from a from a young age. it's just always felt like I was a you know i guess more of a whole person when music was happening um it just just needs to be a part of life for me and and sometimes that means. I'm doing a lot with it. Sometimes that means I'm not doing as much with it, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's like, it's like having arms and legs, you know, it's it's just, they're with me.
1: (laughs) No, that's great, man. You are kind of the the second person in the last few weeks to make a similar reference to that of just like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it becomes something you, you have to do and not necessarily always something that you want to do. I mean, you you obviously want to do it as well, but it's also becomes just like a necessity to your uh, your health and your your yeah. well being.
2: Yep, That's
1: definitely you, true. Do you find it as important for you to go see music and not just play it?
2: I do, um, and I don't do it as much as I would like, um, but yeah, I still try to go to as many shows as I can. Um, I, I love you know, I love seeing my favorite bands play. So, and I, and I try to go to shows too that are, you know, not just my favorite band that I've liked for 10, 15, 20 years too. But, uh, yeah, I, I love going to shows.
1: Yeah. Are you also someone that's, uh, constantly listening to, to new bands just to keep ideas fresh?
2: I'd like to say that I am, but I'm not as good about that as I'd like. I'm, I've, I'm always talking to people about how I want to be better at that. And then, um, I just find myself falling into ruts. But I, uh, one thing that I've started to do more is just, you know, kind of letting random playlists happen on Spotify and stuff like that, just to see what pops up. And um, like the other day, I forget what band it even was, but this awesome song popped on and I was like, oh, well, I wouldn't have heard this much. I was just doing the random shuffle thing. And then it, it caused me to want to write a song, you know, like immediately after, which it's like, well, that's, that's gotta be a good thing. It's better than listening to, you know, blurs park life for the 75 <laughs> seven thousandth time which, which I will which I will definitely do but
0: uh, yeah I <laughs> feel
1: nice, you. Uh,
2: fresh things come in you know
1: We all have those records that we can never like wear out enough you know mm. but mm-hmm. I've definitely been somebody that started to kind of fall in love with this this playlist culture and and yeah. uh, it is very cool like you were saying you know there's a, there's a lot of music that I would have never heard. If I didn't explore like that, that new weekly playlist that pops up into my feed, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Do you still uh, find yourself listening to whole albums that you really lo- that you've always loved, or are you more of like a song by song person now? Is it changing at all for you?
1: No, that that part hasn't changed. Like I still li- <laughs> love love listening to a record front to back, and as much as I I understand um, the impact of like the kind of single culture that we're in right now because of those playlists probably a lot of it it has to do with you know if you can get a song on the right playlist now that can be very beneficial to your band and the growth of it and the exposure Mm -hmm. but there's just nothing like listening to a full record front to back that I don't want to skip any songs on you know yep yeah I agree and I think there's also just like there's something about like knowing that record kind of inside out and knowing like exactly when the next song is going to hit and what that next song is and knowing that three three more songs we're going to hear this one i don't know i just like to geek out on that stuff still too
2: yeah me too i'm definitely an albums person but trying to be better about letting the other stuff in too
1: um right on man well let's uh let's check out Let's dip into a little musical break here. We're going to we're going to play a song off your your new record, which is the the first single off of it, and it's uh it's called Hope You Like Getting Old. So you guys made a really cool video for that song that people can check out on YouTube. And uh, it's kind of all these old toys and comic books and records that are clearly a little worn and, and breaking down.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, we went full nostalgia on that one for sure.
1: Yeah, who came up with the, the concept for that video? Because I, I thought it was just such a, a cool narrative for the, the song.
2: Well, uh, James Whiteman, um, is the guy that did the video. And, and if you, if you look on, you know, if you go to look it out on YouTube or on our Facebook page, he's linked there. So I definitely encourage, you know, anyone listening to check him out cause he's done a lot of really cool stuff, but it kind of all started with, um, with that, the toy that's on the cover of our record and it's in the, you know, featured in the video. That was actually a toy that was my grandpa's, um, from high school in the 1930s, I guess. And, um, you know, last, last year we were trying to figure out what we are going to do for the art and everything. And, and that toy was sitting on the table at my mom's house with a bunch of old keepsakes that she was trying to get people to take. You know, because parents are always trying to get empty their own house and give the stuff to the kids <laughs> and, and, and cousins and stuff. And so I saw that there. I, I didn't take it. But then uh, John Fraser and I were talking a lot about art. And then I was like, oh, man, because we we're trying to do something unique, right? So I, um, I thought about that toy called my mom she'd almost thrown it away well anyway uh, long story short we got that um used it for the artwork and then uh that sort of i think set john's john and james's uh, wheels in motion for what to do with the video so really you know james and and uh james whiteman who did the video and, and john at spartan really deserved the credit for all the concept and everything and i i don't know we couldn't be happier with it so
1: yeah man it's such a such a cool vibe and uh yeah, it's such a heavy song. Like the all the lights are coming down on us, um, and I think it sort of touches on you know some of the some of the themes of the record as far as getting older and and having to face mortality. Yeah, um,
2: and it's like I feel like you know I'll, I'll be I'll be forty in a couple of weeks or or a few weeks. So it's, it's like I'm not super old, but I'm not super young. So whatever you know, probably midlife crisis mode or whatever. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> yeah that, that song there's like seriousness to it but then there's also sort of a tongue-in-cheek aspect to it i mean it's not meant to be taken too seriously um when when i came up with just the initial lyric i was actually trying to get my daughter to take a nap when she was like two or three years old and um it was just really frustrating it was not happening um and i fell asleep on her floor while i was trying to get her to sleep and i I woke up like an hour later and like my back was stiff and my neck was you know three three quarters broken and I just kind of laughed about it and then we were working on the music for that song at the time and that just kind of popped into my head so so I so it's a song that feels serious but then I sort of have this kind of joke in the back of my mind about it too but.
1: yeah with like the the hope you like getting sore line. Is, is yeah. <laughs> definitely like very funny <laughs> and very true. You know, it's it's what it's what we uh what we bitch about as we get older. Like, oh man, I yeah, can't, I can't believe how sore I am after that walk. Right. <laughs> uh, but right
2: now, when we're all breathing in all this smoke, I'm assuming you're getting hit with it just like we are up in Washington. Yeah,
1: but, it's pretty pretty heavy on the smoke here in the Northwest right now.
2: Yeah, definitely makes you feel older when you're like that's slowing you down even more but anyway
1: as, as far as lyrics um are you the one responsible for all that within the band
2: yeah it's the vast majority of it but like i mean with this band everything's sort of up for grabs to be changed and so there's ideas we all you know, throw out there lyrically and you know lars or nick will have a, a good idea for first for something too so uh, but yeah most of it's at least coming for me initially.
1: Yeah, do you find that that helpful to to keep it kind of open though, too, to if if you're struggling to complete a line or a phrase?
2: Yeah, I do. Um, and we made a, a rule for, and we don't really do like band rules in general, but we actually made a rule for the whole album um, to just you could only really veto an idea if so it was your own idea, and just. Tried to be as open as we possibly could to everyone's feedback, and so a lot of times, you know, whoever was writing the writing the part, or whoever came in with like an idea for a song, we we didn't really want to come in with stuff that was totally finished. We wanted it to be open ended, so that the other people in the band could could fill the gaps in, and then you know really make it sound like us, which was fun. I hadn't really done done it exactly that way before, at least hadn't done it intentionally with you know with a rule attached to it, so to speak.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Um I don't know, kind of having a bunch of different ideas brought to the table and different people bringing them, you would think maybe that could get a little messy and maybe make for a record that doesn't feel super cohesive, but it seems that that it did become like a pretty strong collaboration and it it did make for a super cohesive record.
2: Well, I'm I'm glad it comes across that way cuz we definitely definitely wanted it to, so
1: yeah, I really dig just the the whole idea though of the of the title of the record being capsized and I don't know, just kind of this whole idea of figuring out what to do when your boat kind of flips up upside down. Mhm. You know, and and figuring out how to keep that boat steady once you get it floating again. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um on one of my uh favorite songs on the record is the title track, uh mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And you touch upon the pattern, the the lyric, the over and over. The pattern falls into your hands, and now that you're older, you try to hold it on if you can. Mm-hmm. What is what is the pattern to you?
2: Oh man, it's a good question. Um, I think a pattern. I would I would almost make it if I was kind of talking about what it meant to me. And I would almost make it plural and say patterns. You know, I think it's really anything for any of us that is just something that we do over and over again, whether it's good or whether it's bad or just things we observe. Um, and then as a result of those patterns, you know, in our lives, you just sort of try to hold on and, and keep things, keep things moving. So um, I think that's where, it, you know, where it came from for me, um, is just sort of thinking about all the different patterns that are out there.
1: Yeah. And you, I don't know, it seems like you also touch upon, not not just having the boat flip over and and capsize, but also just the anxiety of maybe having the boat tip over.
0: Yes, yeah,
2: definitely. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of anxiety I think behind that song in general. Um, and I don't always write things thinking of myself specifically. A lot of times I'm got some you know made up story going in the in the background when I'm writing lyrics. But um, that song and really the whole album, I mean, there's definitely a lot of Anxiety that creeps in.
1: Yeah, do you feel like this is uh, maybe the, like the most personal batch of tunes from a lyrical perspective on on your part?
2: It definitely is, um, and I don't think I even realized that until it was all done. And I, you know, when you go back and you're doing artwork and everything, and you have to type out the lyrics and you know get everything sort of organized for that, um, that was really the first time that I looked at everything as a you know as a as an album and looked at everything together and was like wow i I, you know i don't always everything i've ever written has always meant a lot to me and it's you know it's personal in that sense but it typically isn't stuff about me or stuff that's actually you know (laughs) based based in reality whereas there's definitely songs on this album where i'm processing um you know very real things you know in, in my own life or things i've experienced with other people so um yeah it's definitely, definitely the most personal batch of songs, and it's uh, kind of a, a, a sidebar. The last song on the record, my daughter actually helped write and sings on. Um, so, and that, and that, and it's the last song, and it's intentionally the last song because I just felt like one of the one of the themes of the album was just one of the things that was happening was just you know all just having kids and sort of getting older and everything, um, and so to have her write this melody and um, you know have her sing on it was just means a lot. So that's, that's probably the most personal just cause it, everything kind of, a lot of things came full circle for me, I guess, in terms of being a musician, being a dad, being a person, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, man, that's, that's beautiful to like have, have your daughter be able to be a part of the, of the track. And, uh, yeah, that was definitely another, another song that kind of stood out to me on the record, which, and it's called on repeat. And, I just really dig the the approach to that one, just musically and lyrically, and and just that whole idea of of having it on repeat, and just kind of having those same same words flowing over and over. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought it was done very very cool. No, thank you. Yeah, um, and and just sonically, man, the the whole record just sounds so great. The guitar tones specifically are. Are just so rad, and you got a lot of those kind of fuzzed out bass tones that I that I dig a lot, and kind of gives me some some thrice vibes, which is one of my favorite bands. Cool. And yeah, there's just a lot. When I'm listening to this record, it just reminds me of a lot of things that I love. One of those being Jimmy Eat World. It's just that's that's one of my favorite bands ever.
2: Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know why I didn't bring them up earlier because <laughs> you asked about like the the kind of a reference point Jimmy World has has been a huge one for us. Um I've been a fan of theirs for a very very long time, so.
1: Yeah, what what's your uh what's your favorite Jimmy World record?
2: Uh it's got to be Clarity, which I know is like the the indie rock thing to say. No, that's um, but it's but it's cool. I, I, yeah, I got into them during Static prevail A friend of mine in college thought I would like it and I freaked out and Got to see them play a couple times in Seattle for like you know thirty people, um, oh, and they've just amazing. been they just been one of those bands that's just been a been a part of my life for geez like what twenty two years <laughs> or something like that. So, uh, but Clarity when Clarity came out, I mean it was it was almost like a more impactful than like the the grunge thing that happened because when Clarity came out, like all of my friends that played music, we heard that we loved it. It was different. And it felt like it was something we could actually do or yeah, it just felt way more close than trying to sound like Soundgarden, especially when, you know, I don't have like some growly, screamy voice or anything. So, um, it, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's always the right time to use Jimmy Eat World as a reference point.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just love that band so much. And, um, I, I've seen them even on their most recent tours, the last few times that they've come through and the show is still amazing and yeah for personally for me they're still making records that that I really love it's not just a nostalgia thing it's it's a band that I I love what what they're doing now and I love what they did 20 years ago and I think that they are one of those bands that does such a fucking cool job of of playing the whole catalog when they're playing live shows now where where you will hear Maybe even back-to-back-to-back, you'll hear, like, three or four songs off of Clarity.
2: Yeah, Um, I know. And that Goodbye Sky Harbor live version is, like, unstoppable. Oh, yeah. Uh, So good. So what's your favorite record of theirs, then?
1: Oh, man. uh, Futures is, is my jam. It just has some of my favorite songs on it. But they're also one of those bands for me, like, similar to something... Like the Beatles or any of my other favorite bands that that I love the whole catalog. It's kind of one of those things. Like whatever the last record I listened to is probably my favorite one. Yeah, <laughs> if that makes any sense, you know,
2: it makes total sense. Yeah, for sure.
1: And it's just because I I do dig all of their music. So, um, but Futures is usually kind of like my go-to. But uh, I remember. The first record, the first Jimmy World record I was exposed to was "Bleed American." Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm about seven years younger than you, so that was that was my like high school big thing was Jimmy World's "Bleed American" coming out. But then yep. being being told like, no, this isn't their first record. Like, there's one before, and then that was kind of one of my first introductions into indie music. Almost was finding out about Clarity and kind of hearing all the rawness behind that and static prevails and going back to that stuff was, was very cool.
2: That's the best. I love when you get that kind of gift given to you, like, wait, there's more and I don't have to like wait two years for it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. There's a whole catalog to go through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, and then other things that, that kind of come up for me when I'm listening is, is some not a surf and, and death cab and, Silver Sun pickups, all those bands, kind of. I feel like there's some similar vibes there as well. So,
2: yeah, Silver Silver Sun pickups are. are I feel like I was really late to the party with them, um, and I would always hear about them and I'd hear a song or two and be like, "Well, these guys are good." And then I don't know, maybe it's probably been six years ago. Or so now, I was like, "Wow, these this is this is like some of the best music I've ever heard." And I finally finally got to see them live um, on this last tour they did. They actually canceled the canceled their Seattle show two different times because he broke his arm, and then he got the flu, the singer, and they finally made it back. And I was like, okay, finally, I'm good to see Silverson pickups. But it was phenomenal. Um, and I, I'm really excited. I keep seeing their Instagram stuff of them being in the studio with Butch Vig, so I'm curious to see what happens but <laughs> it's all gonna
1: sound like yeah that's gonna be wild butch is uh, yeah obviously a genius and is behind some of the the best records that exist so that'll be that'll be a pretty cool combo to see see how that shakes out
2: yeah it'll be good
1: um because you guys had so much time to to put the put the record together and there wasn't necessarily a timeline um was Was this the kind of record where you were trying all kinds of different things for each song until something really clicked?
2: In some cases, yeah, Um, and we recorded the whole thing ourselves, so that kind of lent itself to trying some different stuff along the way, like you know, even just how we were going to how we were going to actually record, because a lot of it was done um, in our home studios, and we're not like cranking amps to ten, you know, at in in the middle of the night in our in our houses necessarily, (laughs) but. But like Lars, he came up with the idea. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to record some amps in my car. So he like set up all these pillows in his car and had his amp in his car and, and was like recording parts that way. It was like relatively silent for him and his neighbors, but got these like pretty awesome guitar tones. So we were playing around with stuff like that, just sort of creative recording stuff that we hadn't necessarily done before, which was just sort of by necessity and not necessarily wanting to go into the studio for like three weeks, you know, um, and then I think, like I was saying before, just the the philosophy of everybody comes in with their ideas, and you can't veto it unless it's your own, um, just caused that to happen. Where you know we would do things we hadn't done before, and and Nick, our bass player, he's always the one that comes up with the like, the best idea for every song. So I'm always really excited, like when he comes into certain parts of the process, because um, like those some of those fuzzy bass tones are a good example. You know, he'll just be like, let's let's do this here, or this here, change this chorus around and um he just seems to like put the last little finishing touch on everything um but yeah we had since we had no time constraint we just kind (laughs) of played around with stuff until we felt like we got it right
1: yeah that's that's rad man and as far as i know you mentioned the drums got recorded in new york right yeah So, so yeah did he just lay down tracks and and send them on over did you guys just kind of send him demos to to lay down those tracks over
0: yeah
2: we sent him pretty pretty polished demos so it wasn't just like a guitar and and some vocals or something they were pretty pretty polished um but then just told him like hey do do three or four takes on every song um and just kind of he would just you know send stuff to dropbox when he was done with the song and be like hey just listen to this and make sure make sure it's not completely off base um or he'd ask us like questions here and there um and then it worked yeah he, he did all the drums in a matter of he, he was actually the quickest part of the whole process he did all the drums <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> he did figure. all the drums in like he yeah, was like four days and he was done um and and then that was the drums got recorded in summer of 2015 so you know, which doesn't seem like it was <laughs> that long ago but it was like damn we recorded those drums three years ago so yeah but that was really fun because it, it, again that was bred by necessity we didn't have someone here to to, to play them um, or that you know or that we had that connected with and so he, he uh, Jesse sprinkles his name we've been friends forever he was in bands with Nick for a long time and um, we've been in bands with his brother Aaron and stuff and uh, it just was like oh I'd forgotten that I've got this friend that has his own studio and plays drums and would sound awesome and so we just went for it and it was it was weird to not be there but also kind of awesome to just get all these raw drum tracks back and then play around with them and edit them and just make them be exactly how we wanted.
1: Yeah, um the internet and technology can definitely be uh fall fall on the evil side sometimes but it's uh it's pretty cool when it allows you to do things like that.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um I know you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation that um, you grew up playing piano. Is that something that you still use as a, a songwriting tool?
2: Yes. Um, I, I do. And one of the ways I do that is, uh, and Lars does the same thing, but we will start writing something on guitar. And then before we get too far with it, like I might move over to piano and kind of write more of it on piano just to change it up a little bit. So it doesn't sound like, you know, it ends up sounding like something that you wouldn't have done on guitar. So yeah, I'm always playing with uh, just, you know, like a small keyboard that I've got in my home studio, but, um, always writing stuff on, on piano. And, um, I love playing piano is like one of the most relaxing things that I could do. So we, we have a piano at our house and, um, a lot of times after dinner we'll play and, you know, we do this whole like good night song and (laughs) with like the kids and stuff. Um, but yeah, piano is a huge, if I could be amazing at one instrument, it might be drums first, but then piano, I would love to just be like, you know, the best piano player. Whereas I don't care about that on guitar, even remotely.
1: Right on, man. Well, I, uh, I certainly appreciate your songwriting and, and the band's music. It's, uh, it's been fun to dive into it heavily and, uh, it's always a, it's always a privilege to me to to get kind of these advanced listens on some records. So I've I've been able to listen to Capsize for the last few days and and really dive deep into it. And I think uh, anybody that dug your band before is is definitely going to really appreciate this new record. I think.
2: Well, thanks. We really appreciate that too.
1: As well as uh, anyone that likes any of the bands that were mentioned in this conversation, because I think it has all those vibes in there and i think my favorite track on the record is maybe i'm an island Mm -hmm. and uh and that one is where i get the most like jim adkins jimmy world vibes especially in the breakdown of that one in the middle of the song when you get into the uh the honestly i could sleep and and feel just fine line I, i i feel like that was uh I don't know. As soon as I heard that one, I was like, "Oh, that's some Jimmy World shit right there." In the best, <laughs> in the best way, in the best way. Yeah, I was so, the I secrets was, out, right? Yeah, I was so <laughs> pumped about it, and and it definitely uh, kind of evoked a similar emotion when I'm when I'm listening to some of those Jimmy World songs.
2: Ah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that that that's been one that a few people that have heard the whole record. Um, a lot of people have really dug that one, and I I, I don't know if I was expecting that or not, but um, that's that's really cool.
1: Um why 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 do you say that you were not expecting that if you if you were not I guess
2: So um yeah I, that's a good question so um that song came together really came together when we were actually mixing um and this guy uh, Don Farwell, who runs this studio called Earwig in Seattle mixed mixed it and um I wasn't even there when he did it I couldn't be there that night he was mixing that song but it was like, we really loved the song, but it just, there was something about it that wasn't quite there. And I think we were just going to roll with it and be, be fine with that. Um, except he, you know, we, we weren't even hiring him to like rearrange stuff or anything, but he was like, hey, do you guys mind if I, you know, give you some input on this one? And, and he just like, he didn't rearrange the entire thing, but he rearranged it significantly. Um, and I remember coming coming back in the next day and they're like, well, I hope you're, hope you're cool with what we did because that's what this here's you know that's what happened um and and i was like oh man he, he like nailed it so it was one of those ones i just wasn't totally sure of but now people seem to at least the, like i said the few people that have heard the whole thing uh seem to be really liking a lot so it's just one of those things but yeah i'm excited about that
1: right on man um like I said, I appreciate your, I appreciate your time and, and chatting it up with me and, and geeking out on Jimmy World with me a little bit.
2: I uh, could do that all night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I know you guys, you're doing your album release on September 14th up there in Seattle? Yeah. At the, uh, yep. is, at the Columbia City Theater, is that right?
2: Columbia City Theater, yep.
1: And are those with some, some bands that are friends of yours that you're celebrating with?
2: Yeah. So uh, both of them are. So fell from a star, got friends in that band. Um, and that, uh, yeah, we've just, yeah. Friends and friends and all the bands playing that night which, like, will be really fun to just have everyone getting together and it's going to be kind of an informal, uh, birthday party for me too. Cause my birthday is a few days before that. So, um, you know, hopefully it'll be a, a fun night.
1: Right on, man. Well, happy, happy future birthday. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and, uh, and then the, the record drops on September 21st, and I'm sure that yeah. you all of you all are very excited to, to finally get to release a follow-up to that last record.
2: Very much so. Yeah, we're, I guess we're officially under a month to go now, so I'm very excited.
1: Awesome, dude. Well, we end every episode of the podcast with the, uh, the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is It's okay. a it's a it's a program (laughs) so if uh eric if you could give us a solid it's a program we can uh sail this thing out okay it's a program that's eric everybody from subways on the sun he nailed it uh check out the uh the new record you can find a couple of these singles including the one we're going to play it out with which is uh just to be with you is the newest single off the record, you can find these already on uh, Spotify and iTunes, as well as the, uh, the previously released record. And I will put all the links in the episode notes so people can easily find you all. And uh, I would encourage my, my Seattle listeners to go check out this show on September 14th up there in Seattle. And uh, thanks again, man. Appreciate your time.
2: Thank you. A lot of fun
1: right on man this is uh subways on the sun with a song called just to be with you and we will catch you on the flip side portland (laughs)
0: the worry I have for your certain fate In the color of lips And the darkness of eyes And the beauty you hold while you're still alive In the season we wait And the worry I have for your certain fate If the future resists And the darkness subsides The beauty you hold will not ever die I would turn back the century Here I would hold off the fan By the very popular. Get it a child, This It's a program.